We welcome you to the media ministries of the Gathering Church in the Countryside YMCA of Mainville. As we love the Lord and each other, we're trusting that God would use us to plant a church in every YMCA around the world. To this end, would you join us? We meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. and in community groups throughout the week. As you listen to this resource, our prayer is that your love for Jesus would grow deep and your love for others would be seen and heard. Father, the list is long where you have been so good to us. And chiefly, just on the forefront of our minds, the greatest good in that where you've shown love to us is through your son, Jesus. And that while we, humanity, were yet sinning, Christ died for us. And so we just, we cherish the gospel together as a church, that we were uh, dead and lost in our transgressions and sins, but God. And so we we just praise you. You sent your son Christ. He was perfect in, in every way. He lived perfectly and died perfectly and rose again perfectly intercedes for us on our behalf. Lord, we, we thank you that those who have responded in faith and repentance are yours. They're in the palm of your hand and you'll never let them go. And that also is, a, is, is such a, a praiseworthy attribute that we can say, you've been good to me, you've never let me go, and you never will. And Lord, I pray that whoever needs to hear that in this, in this church this morning would be blessed and that they would hold on to that truth. We thank you and we ask now that you would work through your word and by your spirit in the lives of your people. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for leading us in worship. Uh, One pastor says, missions exist because worship doesn't. 
And um, I think that's just a great testimony that people um, will come to Christ as a result of the white-hot worship that happens in this room and that extends from this room. So, um, so thank you. Hey, before we dismiss the kids, kids, I want you guys to see something, all right? You guys listening to me? Kids, there's two ladies that love Jesus very much. And they are growing in their faith um, because when someone comes to Christ, it doesn't mean like, oh, sweet, like I'm done like with stuff now or whatever. But they are continually growing in him. Um, Paul in, in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, says that, that we're growing one degree of glory to another. And, um, and so we, wanna, we want you to see them and, and, and uh, allow you to be challenged by them and to see what it looks like to walk with Jesus in your 10s, in your 20s, 30s, and 40s. These ladies, I think, are 30 years old, but we're going to bring them up anyways um, just to talk to them, okay? So, Phyllis and Janet, would you guys come on up? And we want to hear how you guys are growing in Christ. So good morning. Um, this summer, I've been doing a book study called Aging in Grace. Let me say that title again, Aging in Grace. I can't talk about that study without sharing my profession because I am a geriatric nurse practitioner and have been for the last 28 years of my 42-year nursing career. Whew. <laughs> and am considered an expert in aging, so I thought. But the Lord decided to humble me this, this summer, and he showed me that I am not the expert. I know aging very well from a medical standpoint, but I did not know aging well at all from a biblical standpoint. And that is what the Lord has been showing me this summer. And I would say <clears throat> probably the last several years in my profession, I have had less empathy and less patience with my patients. And looking at aging from a biblical standpoint has really allowed me to be much more patient. It has renewed that spirit of empathy in me again which has been really wonderful. I've been able to boldly pray with my patients, and I've been able to boldly share the gospel with my patients. The other thing <clears throat> that this study has done is I have a house call practice. So I see people in their own home, their own environment, when it becomes a taxing effort for them to get out and see a medical provider in the community. And with COVID, my practice has exploded, as you can imagine. So for me to take the time in an evening when I'm constantly trying to catch up is just not heard of. And when all this book, <laughs> God's really funny sometimes. <laughs> because when I saw this book, I'm like, seriously, I can't turn this down. <laughs> and it was his way of saying, child. You need community. 
you need to spend more time in community. And I could not resist this book, and I'm so glad I did. Again, how God is so funny. Um, all the songs we sang, the worship songs we sang today had to do with life and how God brings life to us. And I, it's just amazing and praise God that he works it all together. We didn't plan on this, but it, it happens. Um, the book, we have eight women doing this study, which is more than I expected. And um, it has been such a blessing to to just to get to know these ladies better and to uh, encourage one another in our walk. All of us, uh, you guys won't know this because you're not as old as we are, but, <laughs> but you know, we don't want to just skate along until our death. We want to be used by God. We want to be fruitful and flourish even in our old age. And this book has just uh, biblically uh, just motivated us to be used by the Lord however he would use us. Um, the book is uh, based on Psalms 92, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but the um, first... Oh, yeah, we were trying to memorize this, this <laughs> psalm. <laughs> it's a test. <laughs> um, verse 12 and 14 says, The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. Now, those last two, that last description might be not be something that we would feel like it's a compliment, you know, to go up to somebody and say, oh, you're full of sap. Yeah, that, that just doesn't go. But, but it means, those two words means growth and vitality. And uh, we learned that the date palm grows straight and is majestic in its simplicity. The older this tree grows, the sweeter and more abundant the fruit it produces. And every part of that tree has a purpose. Nothing is wasted. So too with us, God uses everything to conform us to his image and to benefit others. And hopefully, as we age, our fruit will be sweet. And abundant. And then the cedar, he talks about the cedar in that um, Psalms. It's hardy, it endures cold temperatures and strong winds. It can reach a hundred feet inches in height, or sorry, hundred feet in height uh, with branches that spread 50 feet or more. Some are 3,000 years old and they are always green. They usually grow in groves with their branches intertwining, providing a canopy of shade. And to me, that was a picture of community, that we intertwine our lives, we come together, we encourage one another in our walk with the Lord so that we become hardy and can endure the inclement times that come in our lives. We can also provide a covering of grace and faith and the good news of Jesus to others. Um, what has been exciting for me as we've uh, done this uh, book study together is um, that God has planted us in this church, in this body, at this time. He has a purpose. And we're not walking the path or running the race alone. As a community of ladies who have been planted by the Lord, 
We are encouraging each other to be life givers and not life takers, to grow in our knowledge of the Lord, to encourage one another along the path so that we flourish and are fruitful. Pretty awesome. That's great. Well, how about we just take a glance. Look at this section over here. Look how many little kids we got over here. All right, hey, little kids, take a glance on over here and try to find someone with a little gray in their hair, kind of like mine. Yeah? Hey, we need each other, right? That's what we said last week. How about we have someone, let's say, 20 or under, stand up and pray for the seasoned saints of our church. Would someone be willing to do that? Thanks, brother. Amen. Thanks, Michael. All right, at this time, ages seven and down can be dismissed. Oh. Sure. Yeah, go ahead and be dismissed. And then um, this, this happened yesterday. Josh and Miranda Cousins did a little uh, cardboard wars with our youth, and the, it was awesome. <laughs> Much wreckage, gnashing of teeth, and, um, and giggles. So it was fun. Josh and Miranda are doing a great job leading. So thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, let's get after it, shall we? Um, last week, uh, we looked at um, Acts 15, and we said two things, that we have a great need for the Lord, we have a great need for others, and it was couched in the context of seeking Jesus together in community, um, but specifically, we were talking about groups, that's why we had Janet and Phyllis share that in the summer, we, we do little book clubs, like little smaller groups to sharpen each other and grow together and then um, starting next week and the week after we'll have group sign up so we as a church are are taking a pause from romans and saying hey what does it look like to follow jesus together in community namely our community groups and so that's that's what we're looking at again this sunday next sunday we'll start back up in romans 12 again if you're visiting with us this is not the typical sermon or the pattern of this church. We are committed to expositional preaching, which just means we go verse by verse, book by book through a Bible, but we're taking a little bit of pause to study and explain a little bit more from God's Word. Last week, uh, if you remember, uh, I used a pretty morbid example. Do you guys remember that? Where this dude died in his apartment, and uh, it was on the New York Times, and I wanted to read... Uh, to you, one of the texts I received from a parent here. Um, I, I, I intended it to be like this, this, this um, call to the church to like, like look at your need for people and invest your life into relationships and things like that. And here's how this text went. Are you ready? From the dad. Hey, daughter, what did you think of the sermon? The response. Well. Now I'm going to have to get married so I don't die alone in an apartment. <laughs> right? I know. Preacher's intent, 
versus how it's received, you know? <laughs> crazy stuff, crazy stuff. But um, if, if you took away from the sermon that you need to get married, I mean, God loves marriage, but <laughs> the, the intent was that you would see your need for, for people in, in your life. Um, so that was funny, I love that. Um, so hey, uh, let's, let's gather around the Lord's Word together, okay? So we're all here this morning. We love the Lord. We, we, we are grateful that He saved us. We um, are acknowledging that, that we want to be used by God in people's lives. We want to make a difference with our life. We don't always know how to do that in ways, but we know that we've been shaped by the Lord. We've been encouraged and shaped by others in our life, and so we want to do the same in others. Amen? Here are some of the scriptures that have encouraged us and, and like shaped and molded our hearts and set our life on a course and a trajectory to live a life worthy of the gospel. Don't go there. I got them up on the screen, but like just jot them down. Here's some of our favorites. Ready? 1 Thessalonians 2.8 So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our very selves, because you have become very dear to us. I love that verse. It's one of my favorite ones. Great depiction of a gospel, where a ministry where you're imparting the word and you're imparting your life. Bible-centric, relationship-centric together, right? Uh, Philippians 1.5, here's a great one. Convinced, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all. Watch this. This is like one of Paul's vision statements. This is what he does. This is his M.O. He'll continue with you all for your joy and progress in the faith. Isn't that great? That's what he wants to do with his life. That comes right off the heels of for me to live as Christ and to... Mm -hmm. That's what it means to live for Christ. To take part in someone else's joy and progress in the faith. Uh, Colossians 1.28, this is called like, like uh, Paul's vision statement. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Isn't that a great one? I love that one. We all know this one, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It's called the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the ends of the age. So these are some of the scriptures that have informed our thinking and, and have shaped our, our way of life and uh, shapes our conversations, transforms our minds, it affects our schedules, everything. And then one more verse. Last week we looked at Acts 15.36 and it goes like this. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord. And here's where we really landed. And see how they are. Let's see how they are. We summarize that. Let's see how they're loving the Lord and others. 
How are they doing spiritually? Let's see how they're doing. So last week we gave that in principle. There's a deep need for God, to love God. And there's a deep and, and, and like desperate need to be a part of each other's lives. So this week, we're going to lay out the practicals. So in, in essence, it's like part two of last week. And again, if you're visiting with us, we really believe that the, the best normative diet for a church is going through a, bo- a book verse by verse, but we are just going to land in this verse again. In every sermon, whether you're going topical or expositional, is meant to, is purposed to equip the saints. Why? For the work of ministry. And so if you want to think of this sermon, this time as like a training grounds, um, they all should be thought of like that. But today especially is like hyper mode on training. Okay? So it's like all application. Does that make sense? So the title of today's sermon is The Pattern of the Christian Life. And if you want like a subtitle, it would basically be on following up with relationships, which is going to be the theme of this year with our community groups and in discipleship relationships. What does it mean to follow up with someone. Uh, In Latin, it would be via vitae, which means the way of life. So we're talking about the regular pattern or the way of life for every Christian. What does every Christian, their way of life, their pattern look like or should look like? And how do we do it? What does it mean to follow up with people? So let me paint a scene. The scene is actually on the backside of your sermon notes today. Okay? And the scene happens at any old house in a community group. Or if you want, at a dinner or at a coffee shop with someone one-on-one or at church, after church, in discussion. But for this purpose, this scene happens in a home at a community group. Okay? And so if you see it, it says intro, after some social time, which our community groups are on Sunday, uh, like my personal ones on Sunday, starts at six, people come at six, and for the first 15, 20 minutes, it's just hangout time, we rally people in, and then, like, because I'm the leader, I like start, and and here's my intro, all right guys, let's start our community group time, pretty, pretty cool, huh, pretty like creative, huh? Yeah, for those of you who have been in my community, like, okay, that's clear. I get it now, right? Um, so this community group says, starts like this. All right, so last week, we studied a great verse in the New Testament. It's Romans 8, 28. Do you see that on your sheets? Tonight, let's read it again, and then I've prepared two questions. We're still painting the scene. Here it is, Romans 8, 28. We all know this verse. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together For good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Don't you love that verse? All right, so here's community group. Question number one. Have you ever seen God work something in your life together for good? All right, so here's three people's responses in our community group, okay? You're a part of this. You're a member. Here we go. Person's A response. 
a good response, a little bit nervous, a little bit hesitant to share. Do you see that in the parentheses? They say, uh, not, not really. Uh, I've never really thought about it that way, which is a pretty good answer. It's honest. Okay, and you as the leader are going, okay, I'm kind of gauging that. Okay. Person B's response. Well, you know, the Koine Greek for good is used 27 times elsewhere in the New Testament. 26 of those times means good. The 27th occurrence also means good. <laughs> right? This person loves to be heard. They never quite answer the question in, in its entirety. They're like the person that dodges the question, but they, man, they know all the answers. Person B's response, okay? And then person C's response. Hey, when we had young children, we experienced a lot of loneliness. And I think God was teaching us to be satisfied in Him alone. It took a while to see it is good though. So that was the, the question in those three responses. How do you react or respond as the leader? This is leader training right here. How do you respond and react as a person in the group? Which one, A, B, or C, do you go deeper with in the discussion? Which one do you encourage? Which one do you challenge? How person B with all that Greek knowledge but no genuineness? How in the world do you do community groups? Isn't it so messy? Relationships! Ah! I know! Let's just go on to question two. Here we go. I'm raising the need, okay? Question two. Again, we're kind of studying Romans 8.28 in our community group right here. So here's, here's me leading and pitching it out there. Hey, if this is a promise, that is Romans 8.28, is there anything currently happening in your life that causes you to doubt all things? Dot, dot, dot. Good. Person's A response. Oh, there's a lot going on in my life, and I really can't connect all the dots on my own to be able to see all things as good right? Super genuine, saying, I need some help. I don't get this. I, well, right? Person B's response, watch this. Huh. Doubting is a sin. Have you ever read about doubting Thomas in the scriptures? It's like, man, some of you are chuckling because you're like, I have been in a group with that person before, you know? <laughs> I know those kind of people, and that is the reason why. No, okay. Uh, person C's response. <sighs> Every day. Just yesterday, my son broke his arm, and I was like, ah, oh, what a distraction to my plan, my schedule, my stuff. But you know what? I think God's going to give us more time together this fall as a result. Okay. So you and your spouse, after everyone leaves, you're vacuuming up from all the chips left on the floor and things like that. You sit down and you go, how'd you think that went, babe? And she's like, I'm so, I don't know. I'm overwhelmed a little bit. Yeah, me too. There are some great responses. What do we do about B? Hey, what do you think about A? How about C? Well, 
the question, how do you follow up? What happens after community group? What happens after church? What happens after dinner? But specifically, we're talking about community group. We are training our leaders, our community group leaders, not to pick and choose. Oh, A sounds really fun. B, uh-uh, ain't touching that. And C, mm, what, you know. We're teaching them every group member is a soul and they are charged with shepherding the souls in their group. So they don't have the option to pick and choose. But now we're training you, members in the church, members in the groups. How do you follow up with people? So prayerfully, these principles that we're talking about will be applicable to believers in relationships, but also will train you in evangelism for relationships with non-believers, those who are far from the Lord, so that you can be a light for the gospel for them. So let's take some time and define what does it mean to follow up. Here's our working definition provided for you on the notes page, okay? Here's what I don't mean. Here's what I don't mean. Oh, you got a problem? Bam! Here's a six-week curriculum. See ya! Get out of here after six weeks and check! You're discipled. That would be follow-up curriculum, which is really good, really functional, really needed in the church. Do you guys hear me? Follow-up curriculum is absolutely needed in the church. We need to have good resources. Today, that's not what I mean. Oh, you have a problem? Let me go through this with, with you for six weeks and then you'll be discipled. What I'm talking about today is how to follow up with someone relationally. What 1 Thessalonians 2.8 called imparting your life. How do you relationally be involved in another person's life for their spiritual good? So here's what I do mean. It's a really long definition. So it's kind of like, a Puritan or whatever, okay? Here it is. Through assessing the soil of a person's heart, through prayer and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the pursuit of another for their spiritual good and God's glory. I won't say it again because it's really long and you have it. But that's the working definition of what it means to follow up with someone. You guys want the shorter definition? Wave your head like this. Go like this. Pursuing people. That's the shorter definition. Pursuing people. Another way to talk about this subject or another way to frame it would be like this. Like in the vetting of Paul Allen and Zane Hartzell for elder and deacon, we said, we want the officers of the church to not just be theologically qualified, but also to be relationally qualified. We don't want them to be book smart, but mean. <laughs> we don't want them to know all the answers, be a, like an answer box, but relationally clumsy. We don't want them to know all the answers like a doctor, but have no bedside manners. And talking about what it means to relationally be a Christian with other people. How to keep a conversation going. How to circle the wagons on things. And so, 
here's six things for follow-up. And I know it might be a little cheesy or whatever, but they all start with the letter P so that they can stick a little bit more in the lives of people. Those who love letter, you know, pastors that start with the same letter, eat your heart out. Eat your heart out. Today is for you. Here we go. Number one. Here we go. Pray for them. Prior to following up with a person. Prior to helping someone else grow in the Lord, you must pray first. Prayer is the work. Remember Acts 6? We studied it a while back. The, the, the elders of the early church were devoted to two things. Remember what it was? The preaching of God's word and two. Good. So much so that they said no to other good things. So that they, be, they could be at work praying for God's people. All right, so Monday morning, I would encourage you to pray. If, you're, if your community group is Sunday night, give it a little time, sleep on it, wake up and pray for the members in your group. Pray with your spouse. Pray with your family. Be praying for others. I recently heard it said, never try to fix someone without Praying for them first. Isn't that a great principle, right? So you just hear from me that, that the real and urgent work is fervent prayer. This is, this is what Jesus would call the abundant life, is, is living for other people's joy. And, guess what? It takes everything you have. So I'm going to say this four or five times today. Community groups is way more than a 90-minute get-together. We've already dipped into your Monday morning. Monday morning, be praying for people. My prayer journal is filled up on Monday mornings with people's names in my group. It would be easy to stop here, wouldn't it? Oh, great. That's what it means to follow up with people. Like, just pray for him. Wouldn't it? Like, we just need to pray for that person. Um, yes, you do. However, the beautiful thing about the kingdom of God is that God loves to use his kingdom subjects, his people, his children, to encourage and build into the lives of one another. And it happens through prayer, but more than prayer, too. Look at the New Testament, okay? So, there is more than just number one. Here's number two. Ready? It's also pray. Pray for guidance from the Holy Spirit. I know we could rope these two in together, but I'm just spelling it out for us, okay? Number two involves prayer. So, Monday morning, you're sitting on your chair. You're writing... And you're asking, Lord, I'd like to pray for John. If John is the name that comes to your mind, guess what? That is the Holy Spirit working in your life. You would not have thought about John if you were left up to your own natural senses and abilities. The Holy Spirit does that. That's what he does. That's how he works. He burdens people in the church 
for other people so that they would grow and that their worship and joy would raise in Jesus. And so, like, if you find yourself wanting to pray for someone, that's the Holy Spirit in your life. If you're immersed with the Word and filled and controlled with the Holy Spirit, guess what? He is going to direct your thoughts, your heart, your prayers, and the content of your prayers will be steered towards people. With real names, with real faces. That doesn't happen from the natural man. It happens from the spiritual man. Here's a couple sample prayers. Remember, this is training, training, training. So it's high on application today. Here's a sample prayer. Hey, Lord, if I am going to live as sent, who are you sending me to this week? Who is it in my group, in my church, that you would have me encourage, build up, strengthen, pursue? Lord, how can I serve them? How can I encourage them? Who? Here's another prayer, Lord. Remember we, that your handout with the person A response, B, C? Lord, which one? Which one, Lord, would you have me pursue this week? A, B, or C? This question assumes that you can't pursue all of them in one week, right? Which is, I don't know about you, this is my uh, tendency. I have a tendency to be like Moses. I was just confessing this to another brother. And I need death rows in my life to say, hey, Mike, can't pursue everyone today or everyone this week. And you too. You can't do it all. You need to pray and ask the Holy Spirit for guidance on which one the Lord would burden your heart to pursue. Okay? So, that was a confession, by the way. I don't know if you caught it, but I am like Moses. Help me not be like Moses. Right? Be my Jethro. Okay? This is um, um, appropriate to share, but this is why our groups have apprentice leaders. Don't get all bogged down on technical terms. But we're trying to just say, hey, if I'm going to lead a group, day one, I want someone to help me lead it like, and, and be with me. So that after the group, I'm saying, hey, John, I'm just going to use John for like every example this Sunday. Hey, John, how do you think community group went? Let's grab breakfast and pray together for every member in our group. And let's follow up with them. I'll take A, B, and you take C. Actually, I'll take A and C, you take B. <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> Hey, how'd you think, how would you handle B's response? Hey, how would you, all right, let's pray for him. Let's go, okay, hey, that's the plan for this week. Let's shepherd the group together. Again, not just a 90-minute get-together, a whole life pattern, a via vitae, your way of life for the Christian. So number two, church, if you ask, if you seek, if you knock, if you say, Holy Spirit, would you lead me and guide me this week? I promise he loves to guide his children and he'll grant you, he'll lead you with names. He'll give you the discernment. He'll give you the direction. This is what Romans 8, what we talked about. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. This is what it means, to what it looks like to be led by the Spirit in this context. 
Here's another sample question. We're still on number two. How and when? How and when, Lord? Like, that is a calendar question, but it's also a very spiritual question. It can also be, hey guys, it can also be a marital question, right? So nine times out of ten, after community group, I'll pull aside my wife, and I'll be like, what'd you think about that, babe? And she'll be, she will see 100% better, more discerning, and like, she'll see everything, and I'll be like, oh, I thought the pretzels were great, <laughs> right? Uh, right? I, like, I need Hannah, and you need your spouses. So like, the how and when can function in isolation, which means like, you pray, you pray, and you go, Maybe I need to pursue this person one-on-one. But it might mean, hey, sweetheart, how about we have this couple over or this family over for dinner? And then it would be like, how would that work with our budget? How would it work with our calendar? Would, it, would, it, would that be the most conducive for the kind of conversations that we want with this particular couple? If we have all the kids, I don't know if we can talk about Koine Greek, <laughs> right? Or whatever. Or the, or the, the mom who had her son a broken arm, right? And she, it, would that be the most conducive? Or babe, should you follow? Do you, know, you get what I'm saying? The how and the when is a significant question. It's the plan, the plane that lands. When are we going to do it? Do you see how community group is way more than 90 minutes? Number three, here we go. Number three, next P word, prepare a question. Hey church, everyone look at me. Do you think that uh, listening is a lost art these days? <laughs> I think so too. I think so too. Oftentimes, what helps is to prepare a good question. A lot of times people just need to be asked a thoughtful, a little bit more deep question that gets a little bit below the surface. Um, in our previous church, a woman by the name of Susan Kaler was the queen of preparing questions. She was the gal that discipled my wife uh, in Texas. They would meet every week, and they would do three things. They would walk, they would talk, they would pray. They didn't read any books together. They would walk, talk, and pray. That's discipleship, too. Okay? Here's how Susan start off. Hey, I've been thinking about our time last week, and I have three questions to ask you. How's that for follow-up? How's that for circling the wagons? How's that for preparation and deliberate conversation? That's what we want to model and foster in our relationships. Hey, last week you said this. Could I hear you more on that? I'd love to learn about that more. Maybe in guy vernacular, it'd be like, hey, tell me what's going on, man. Your, your wife seemed really down last week. You want to talk about that? You see how that's just getting a little bit deeper than how was the Bengals game? Touchdowns. Great, right? Here's an example of following up with person C from your worksheet, Okay. Hey, you shared that your son broke his arm, and that was a distraction to your plan. 
how did the Lord change your perspective? What was the process that He took you through? You see that? That, that distraction to my plan. That's what you're following up on. Hoping that they see it and grow from it and can communicate it and multiply it to other people's lives. All right, here's a sub-point to point number three, okay? To ask a question and to keeping a conversation going, that requires that you remember what people say. <laughs> right? It rem- it's like requires you to have other people's stuff on your radar. Okay? The king of this was my father-in-law, John Weber. Uh, when he passed away almost 11 years ago, um, uh, I was charged with going through his office things. And so I had all access to all his files, access to all his papers and books that he read, as well as his, as his calendar, and his big old leather-bound calendar. I remember opening it up and seeing what was important to John Weber, Hannah's dad. And I remember seeing people all over it with appointments, but then little asterisks next to people, and he had his own little code system, his own key. And this particular asterisk would bring you down in his calendar, and he would say, meeting with John this morning, meeting with Jeff, whatever. Three kids, named blank, blank, and blank is struggling to connect with his wife lately, is worried about kids' college, is saving for college, he took notes on people. He wanted to remember their stuff. And then guess what? He would follow up with them the week after and go, hey, tell me more about how you're doing with your wife. Tell me more about how you're worried about saving for your kid's college. I'd love to encourage you in helping that. He remembered. He became a student of people. It's like every person is a master's class. And you're taking them for a class. And you're learning them and becoming a student. This is not just good marital advice. This is the ministry. This is the way of life for the Christian. Not just for the pastor, not just for the guy on staff, not just for leadership, for the Christian. The Indian culture um, has a way of talking about relationships um, uh, as it relates to tea. Uh, The culture is very like, they just love tea, love tea. And so um, they're very hospitable. If they ask you over for your first tea, that is a cultural normative for hospitality, and that, that places you relationally in the category of good acquaintance. Yeah, I've had tea at so-and-so's house. We're, we're acquaintances. If you get invited over for a second cup of tea, you become their friend. But if you get invited over a third time for a cup of tea, you're not just an acquaintance, you're not just a friend, but you become family. Where they know you, they trust you, and you're like bound and knit together. And that's what the church is. 
That's what we want. That's what we're working towards. It takes time, but it takes effort. You saw that word when I read it, Colossians 1. To this end I toil. That is a life worth living right there. So, church, get to the point where you're getting three cups of tea. Amen? Okay. Hopefully you're hearing follow-up is not just this like one-and-done type thing. It requires more. Here we go. Number four. Another P. Prepare a verse. Okay. I know this might sound so simple and so like obvious, but it needs to be said and encouraged. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ, let the word of God dwell richly among you. If we are going to be people of God's word, we got to like bring it up and stuff. Yes, we got to be reading our quiet times, and then we've got to share it with one another and not be shy about it. Uh, do you remember, here's a question for you, do you remember the last time someone shared the right verse at the right time with you? Think about it. Like, I remember distinctly sharing, uh, being discouraged in relationships about 10 years ago. I was sitting in my living room in Texas, and one of my good buddies named Chris Mordecai responded like this. Hey, Mike, you remember Colossians 1.28? It says, we proclaim him, and he quoted it for me, instructing all men, present them complete in Christ. That's what we're living for, Mike. Sounds like, you need to, sounds like you need to be encouraged and reminded that that's what we're about. And I remember sitting on my rocking chair, and it was like the word of God came out his mouth, entered in my ears, and struck my heart. That's what it does. He could have given any worldly counsel in that moment, but he shared a verse, and it was powerful. Church, prepare a verse. Like, think through it. Study. What would be a, a great verse to share with this person? Not in a flippant manner, but in a very careful manner. Be gentle, yet assertive. Prepare a verse. If you um, need a cool transition or a cool way to bring it up in conversation, you might need to ask someone else, okay? Here's, here's uh, where I'm at in my life. I've given up all cool transitions and ways to communicate things. I've given them up. I don't want to be creative anymore. I want to be clear. So here's in conversation. Here how it often happens, and some of you know this. Hey, uh, could I share a verse with you? I know this is like simple, but you need you need to hear it from your pastor that I, that you don't you don't need to be awesome or cool. You just need to be faithful. Okay. All right. Number five, pray for them in person. Pray for them in person. This is so important. We've said this so many times. How many of you have said this even in the last week, though? Watch this. Hey, I'll pray for you. And then they leave, and you leave, and it's out of your mind, right? You totally forget 
And if we're not careful, like the church will get a reputation of being like flippant with words or maybe even lying, which isn't our objective. That's not our goal. We want to be people like where our words can be trusted. And so a culture can start and grow and develop that if someone shares something with you, be assertive and go, hey, both you and I know I'm going to forget this in five minutes. How about we pray now? Okay? Now, since this is like high on training, I'm going to be really specific with you, okay? This is not, uh, this is not a theology of prayer. This is like practicals. So like orthopraxy on prayer. Ready? Ask the other person if it would be okay to pray for them. Ask them. I have never been turned down when I ask people, but it's good to just ask anyways, okay? So be askers. Uh, next one. If appropriate, ask if you can put your hand on their shoulder, okay? There's all these New Testament verses that say like that you should lay your hands on them. You don't have to, but like it's a good thing. Let me train you. A lot of folks get weirded out by that. So ask them and then... Here's me going one step further. Do not put all of your weight on the person's shoulder. How many of you have experienced that? You're like, you know, I need some prayer. Punch of people gather around, and then you're like squatting 300 pounds. Oh my word! You see the person getting prayed for, he's like sweating and stuff. You're like, I just want this to be over. And then the person praying, Oh Lord, I pray. That this person, boom, boom, you put, hey, just, just go light on them, will you? Just like lay it on their shoulder and take it easy. Next one. Hey, don't be weird, okay? Don't be weird with your words. Just be simple, be short, be real, don't be fancy, don't be loud, don't be complex, right? If you're like just one-on-one, -on -one, you know, oh Lord, I'm a, no, just like be normal, okay, church? And tell the Lord what is on your heart. Pray for them, okay? One last one, and um, this is also a training note. If you struggle with bad breath, or if you drink a lot of coffee before church or community group, like pack a mint or a piece of gum, will you? You know? How many of you have been like praying for it and you're like, the person's like, oh Lord, oh I pray for Mike. And you're like, I can't concentrate at all because I'm breathing dragon breath right now, right? And so like, hey, carry a mint, you know, ask your spouse, hey, how's my breath doing? And like, don't be hurt. Like, don't have your feelings hurt. And just go for it, okay? All right? So if your budget's affected by that with buying a little extra gum, I think the Lord's okay with that, okay? Last one, number six. Pay it forward. Number six, pay it forward. What do I mean? Encourage them to pursue and follow up with someone else. Teach, teach them how to do it. So these, these principles, these ideas, they're not like inspired or whatever, thus saith the Lord. But you need to teach a person how 
to minister to others. Inexplicably, what I'm saying is that don't wait to be pursued. Or don't be a suction cup where all you do is you are the one who are, you're just taking it all in all the time, being pursued, and then your feelings get hurt because no one's pursuing you. And you go, this church stinks. No one's pursuing me. I feel isolated, left out. Um, This is like some popularity thing or what is going on, but I'm out of here. You leave the church. And then guess what? You go to the next church, you leave it. And you go to the next church, they're not pursuing you either. You're gone. And you're like, I'm giving up on church. Don't give up. Pursue people. Work. Go for it. And then say, hey, you know what? I'd like you, I'd like to think about this with you. Last semester, I'm going to use names because we're a family. I remember one community group where the cousins, Josh and Miranda, and Brad and Jen Yance, they stayed after for no particular reason, right? And so we were, we were talking, and I said, hey, how was group tonight, guys? I was talking to the guys, Hannah was talking to the girls, and they were like, it was great. And I said, did the Lord put anyone on your heart after the group? And Josh said, yeah, yeah, I want to pursue Corey. And Brad said, yeah, I want to pursue Brian. And Hannah did the same thing with the girls. And Jen said, yeah, I want to pursue Kristen. And Miranda said, yeah, I want to pursue Chelsea. Isn't that awesome? Because the Lord put someone else on my heart. And we were all, it was like this network of pursuit of relationships using different giftings. And they were going to pursue those guys and girls differently than how I was. Because I'm different. You knew that already. We have different gifts, different skill sets, whatever. And they were going to pursue how God uniquely created them so that others might be built up in the faith. And it was awesome. So perhaps your response to all of this stuff of pursuing people and following up with people might be like, I don't have time for that. Or perhaps the argument would be, that's not my gifting. Or perhaps, sometimes it's phrased like this in the church, I'm not called to that. Friends, I just I want to remind you that the calling of every Christian is set forth in Scripture to take part in the joy and progress of other people's growth in Christ. Your way of life, your via vitae, is to follow up with people so that they can be encouraged and built up in the faith. So that one day we may present all of us whole, together, complete in Christ, lacking nothing. You can do this, gathering. You can do this by the power of the gospel and the Holy Spirit that is at work within you. Let's pray together. So Father, we are just trusting you and we're grateful that you have worked through your Son and by your Spirit. Lord, you've saved your bride And you are calling us to follow up in people's lives. Lord, I pray that even today, this Sunday, as a result of um, conversation in the lobby, 
conversation before the service, what was placed on people's hearts as a result of being in the Word together and hearing it spoken and preached. After church, Lord, would you take those burdens and would you multiply them in the lives of these people? Lord, would you put the lost on the gathering's heart? Would you put the found on gathering's heart? Would you, would you help us to clear out our schedules so that we may pursue people and value them? Lord, teach us the better things. We're trusting you. Before we close, just take a moment and listen. And hear what the Lord is leading you. Maybe he's bringing up names even now. Lord, we are so grateful that your son Jesus, he he paid the great price. He gave his life as a ransom for many. And we want to give our lives to you. Lord, if there's anyone in this room that has not, just like as we sang earlier, here I bow to, to... to give my life. Is it, if there's anyone in here that all this stuff is foreign to them, they receive it as just some relational therapy. Lord, I pray that they would, they would hear that this is the great gospel call. And that they would repent of their sins and place their faith and trust in Jesus. Lord, I pray that there's people in here that need to repent of just a, a selfish view of their life and how they're spending their time. Lord, I pray that you would bring about a freshness in their life, a new page turned, a new way, a pattern of living. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.